screen. It's 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 27. 1 Corinthians 1, 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Please. Oh, Brian. Yeah, great. <laughs> I, I have two children. One of them, if you call them up on the phone, I could, I could be leaving Oaks Christian, <laughs> which is maybe 30-minute drive, and check in with him uh, at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and he will talk the whole time till I get home. The other one, if you ever talk to my younger son on the phone, maybe 10 to 12 seconds is about the, 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 the best that you might get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, got to go. Um, and so I'm a little bit more like him when it comes to texts. So if you text me more than three to five words, I'm probably not really going to read it. So, so Brian, Brian Kelly sent uh, something to me. It was two weeks or a week and a half or so. Um, and it was filled up my phone, so I read the first sentence or so, and the screen was only so big. But then it was on the bulletin last week, and I actually took the time to read it then, and he, we actually read it together, the C.S. Lewis quote, if you remember. And as I looked at that, I went, wow, that's, that's actually really important. So as I was formulating, I had, this, this is kind of a double message, but I'm going to try to bring them together. Um, but as we read that last week, like I said, it, I, I just realized the importance of what C.S. Lewis was saying. So I'm going to read that again. And um, so I'm seeing it for, I guess, the second time. Should be my third. But um, it was pretty significant. And so we're going to talk about that for a little bit. That'll be the first part, rereading that. And then um, just an encouragement for all of us to, um, to really set aside time each day somehow in prayer, in scripture, and connecting with God daily. Um, and then the third part to this uh, is actually where I was originally going with the, with a lesson, which is, is it doesn't have to be complicated, and it's the idea of just, just pursuing and having at the core of our beliefs a simple gospel. So let me pray first, then we're going to read, actually I'm going to read C.S. Lewis first, and then, we're, then we'll pray and start the, uh, uh, the main part of the lesson. So follow along. I don't know if it's going to be on the screen. I don't know if we still have that. We don't, that's okay. But it's on the... Uh, on the, uh, the, I guess, the front side of the bulletin here. So this is from C.S. Lewis. Now, faith, in the sense in which I am here using the word, is the art of holding on to things your reason has once accepted in spite of your changing moods. For moods will change whatever view your reason takes. I know that by experience. Now that I am a Christian, I do have moods in which the whole thing looks very improbable. But when I was an atheist, I had moods in which Christianity looked terribly probable. This rebellion of your moods against your real self is going to come anyway. That is why faith is such a necessary virtue. Unless, unless you teach your moods where they get off, 
You can, nev- you can never be either a sound Christian or even a sound atheist, but just a creature, here's, here's that great word again, but just a creature dithering to and fro with its beliefs really dependent on the weather and the state of its digestion. Consequently, one must train the habit of faith. The first step is to recognize the fact that your moods change. The next is to make sure that if you have once accepted Christianity, then some of its main doctrines shall be deliberately held before your mind for some time every day. That is why daily prayers and religious readings and church going are a necessary part of Christian life. We may have to be continually reminded of what we believe. Neither this belief nor any other will automatically remain alive in the mind. It must be fed. And as a matter of fact, if you examined 100 people who had lost their faith in Christianity, I wonder how many of them would turn out to have turn out to have been reasoned out of it by honest argument, don't most people simply drift away? So that significance of daily prayers, religious readings, and church going are a necessary part of Christian life. I think somehow, maybe it depends on homes and churches we all were raised in, we maybe feel like the daily prayers, the church going, the religious readings, is somehow we're doing that to please God somehow? instead of using that as an anchor to keep us connected to God. So uh, let me pray. We'll talk about that for a little bit, and uh, we'll continue. So Father, I thank you that you do call us into a place that we can encounter you daily. Lord, I thank you for how accessible you are. Forgive us for forgetting that sometimes, so often, whether it's out of just laziness or distraction, God, that you would bring all of us back into a place where we cling to that simple gospel, your love for us, your sacrifice for us. So I pray you bless uh, what's taught up here today. I pray that it makes good sense to all of us in real meaning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this is a call, a, day, a, a, a call to a daily prayer life. And these might just be some of the things that um, work for some of us, not for all of us. But I know I'm, I'm a creature of habit, which can be both a good and a bad thing. Um, I remember working as a lifeguard down at Will Rogers and uh, working with a bunch of guys through several summers in a row. And this one guy, Jackson Stewart, he said, you'd be the easiest man in the world to assassinate. You do the same thing at the same time every day. You do the run, you do the swim, you do the this, the that, whatever it is. You're like a clock. He goes, I could could just put a bomb there and set it for 1025 and you would be there. And so, but... Again, that could be a good thing, but it, it, sometimes, you know, habit kind of, we allow some habits to rule our lives. And so, um, but so whatever this is, though, is, is I think for, for spending time with God is just knowing each day, I'm going to set a time, and for me, a place is important also, uh, but a time and a place. I not, not everybody, some of us are on the move a lot more because of work or just uh, wherever we are in life. Maybe we're students, and you can't have that daily routine at a certain time in a certain place, but... Somehow, having that time and place to create that consistency is significant for us to create a habit, and a habit that we actually, in that time, become hungry for, where um, I know for, I think there's a lot of us who, I'll just use exercise as as an example, Um, if the end of the day comes and I didn't get that whatever quantity of exercise I I mentally, I know my body doesn't require, but my brain does, uh, and this is where the habits go bad sometimes, uh, but something's missing in the day. And in the same way, that time with God, like the day ends, and it's like, wait, there's something missing today. We've gotten into such, uh, such a, a good habit of spending time with the Lord. Um, 
So creating a habit out of that and reserving a time and a place every day just to connect with the Lord, reading some scripture. And in a second, I'm going to talk about, talk about um, you know, it doesn't have to be, it's not necessarily like a Bible study. Uh, for me, Psalm 121, and the re, uh, which I've read several times this week uh, because it reminded me of a, I used to teach elementary school at Calvary, Calvary Christian. Um, and at the time, I had like fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. So I had like pretty little kids. And there was a song that they would sing about lifting my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? And it, it was so simple. And as I was thinking of simple, my mind went back to that. I go, that, what, a, what a great little song. And it, and it was embedded in my mind because I had heard it. That's Psalm 121. And I'm not a great memorizer of scripture. But just having been done, doing that so often with these little kids, and the fact that it was little children singing that song brought me to this place of like, it's so simple. So simple to read this. It's this big. And I, like I said, probably read it three times this week during a quiet time just to remind myself that that's where my help comes from. So that's kind of an experience, just connecting with God on a daily basis, not complicated. Uh, in fact, I would even suggest uh, that wouldn't be a time for some of us who are diving into more complex issues of, of our faith, um, that maybe that time with God, maybe that's not the time and the place for that, but it's just more of a time of reconnecting um, and for using scripture, reconnecting with something simple in scripture, just some of the words of Jesus, and then praying through the things of the day. So keep it simple. Um, simply spend time with God, and like I just said, it, it may not be the best time to wrestle with the deepest things. Again, a lot of us, that's just the way I work, but the way my brain works. There, there is definitely a time to dive into deeper things, more thought-provoking, but at the same time, we don't want to become so complex and confused and frustrated and use that time for that. So I'm suggesting reserving a time of just coming back, come back to Jesus. <laughs> we, use that, we use that term in a different way at Oaks Christian. With, with time, uh, come to Jesus talk. That means you're in trouble. But, um, <laughs> but I'm saying it in a much more positive way. It's just on a daily basis. Because um, I don't know how many of you guys, I can attest to this, what C.S. Lewis says, don't most people simply drift away. Anytime I've drifted away for a long stretch, a short stretch, it isn't because I reasoned. It's like there's something untrue of the gospel or something uh, amiss with his teaching. It's just I got lazy and could still be going to church every Sunday. I don't think there's ever been a long stretch in decades in my life where I haven't been part of that. But just that daily thing on my own, um, drifting away, and then finding that I'm starting to lose the meaning of uh, that relationship with Jesus. So it's an encouragement for all of us. Let's not simply drift away. Have some time every day. And again, for just the sake of um, setting that anchor deeper and deeper. So in this, though, I also wanted to use 1 Corinthians chapter 1 to remind us that the gospel is so simple and we can get so lost and so misled, maybe by our own thoughts, maybe by teachings, by losing track of that simple gospel. So uh, Joel read it a few minutes ago, but let's take another quick look. This is 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 25. And it says this. Actually, I read it off there. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? 
For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach, which is simple, to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So, so often, I broke this into two parts. We can get so caught up in seeking wisdom um, that uh, we, we, we start to hold that in a higher place than that simple cross that Jesus died for our sins for and we hold up we get very prideful with our wisdom and uh, just this last week we i teach sixth grade science over at oaks and um, it's it's a life science class and we finished the first semester we do all the cell biology stuff and and my my main thing i want to get these kids to see as children is how complex life is and we and i think i actually mentioned this little activity once before it's important and I bring it back to mind, it's way earlier in the year, where we set up a bunch of dominoes. I feel like I've mentioned that from this place before. But we, uh, I have them set up a whole bunch of dominoes, and the, 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 their, their job is to create the most complicated pattern with dominoes. And we watch this little YouTube video of this, somebody who sets up, like, I don't know, they got nothing else to do. Um, but like tens of thousands of dominoes. I mean, you guys ever seen these things? And they go back and forth. And, and you know, you, you mess up, you're halfway done, and you mess up one. And they all go down, and you got to start over again. So we do this activity with the amount of dominoes we have. And the thing I'm trying to impress them with is this is the way life, talking biology right at this point, um, enzymes and DNA and all this. It, it, you, it's so complex, and it can't afford a mistake. So one of the, when I do my simple setup, I have one domino that I broke in half. I say, if this domino is broken, and I click, and here, here they go, it ends here. And they get this. I go, and what happens if it ends? No, but they, you die. So exactly. So, so at, in, in bringing that back up, one of the things I try to impress upon them is we're talking about origins and things like that. And say, okay, so and I don't want to get too much into science stuff, but um, a thought in the origin of life, not so much the origin of species, but life coming about on its own, primordial soup stuff, that uh, these chemicals find, their, find themselves together in the right time, right place, a little bit of energy, and align themselves just so for life to exist. And I just ask them, again, just kids, just think through that. How practical, does that, does that sound right to you guys? And the issue is, because we sit and we watch this thing, and it was, it was produced by CNN, it was not produced by, and there's, gosh, I think as far as I can even tell by what they're saying, uh, maybe one guy who's actually a Christian, they're just biologists who are critiquing what we call Darwinian evolution, and... Uh, Oh, which scripture? Uh, in, uh, yeah, James 3 talks about um, just the wor worldly wisdom, how it can blind us. And we get so, oh, this is so complex. How, isn't that amazing that this just happened? And we start to lose sight of, wait, how, how could this have happened? And we let our wisdom become our new idol. As we gain intelligence, we get smarter and smarter, and we get proud, more and more prideful, and we start to lose sight of that simple gospel. See, even us, us as Christians, um, I told the kids, um, I said, yeah, I remember being at UCSB studying biology, and we would get these little vials of fruit flies. Do I have any other biology? Anybody study biology? Okay, so uh, 
Oh, one of, my, one of my students is back there. So, um, oh, a couple, two of them. Um, so, one of the one of the classic textbook examples of uh, uh, of uh, mutations, mistakes in DNA producing something good, and so it'd be good evidence for evolution, is a four-winged fruit fly. And I told the kids, so I'm like 21, 22 years old, studying this stuff, and and I remember we we got one. There's a four-winged fruit fly, and we were all very excited. And I was a Christian, but I was never making this connection of my beliefs and maybe what we were studying and putting the two together as I have over the last 20 years or so. Um, what we didn't know is those four wings, here's your biology lesson for the day, is that extra set of wings, there's no muscles attached to them. And so in nature, there's a group of fruit flies sitting on an orange, here comes a bird, and everyone, all the, not everyone, <laughs> the fruit flies all flutter away, but the one with the four, the extra pair of wings, not attached to muscles, they've gotten an anchor. And so who, who does the bird eat? He, 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 he eats the, the broken one who actually had the, what we thought was this fantastic mutation. And they say, well, yeah, but over time, can't those things start to develop? Well, no, you get one shot. Remember the dominoes? So you get eaten, you're gone. You don't get to pass that on. It's a random mutation. So anyway, we, we I can go off on that kind of stuff. Sorry. Uh, it's, it's fun. No, it's really fun. But my point is this, is we can get so excited about some of these really technical, uh, you know, you start getting into DNA and, and our minds, we just, we get very prideful and our wisdom, our wisdom, and even studying spiritual things, our wisdom can take control of our thinking to the point where we lose sight of that simple gospel of Christ crucified. Um, but what's kind of crazy is in Second um, Corinthians, uh, in Corinthians 13, Second Second Corinthians 13, where, where, um, all the gifts are laid out. There's a gift, a gift of wisdom. So it's not a bad thing. Sign, now I'll get to the signs thing in a second. Signs and wisdom are not bad things. They're actually gifts. But like most things that humans do, we take good things and we make them everything. And then we forget the simple gospel. Um, so we tend, to, we tend to turn these things into, into idols for us. So meanwhile, so, so we can get caught up in seeking wisdom but we can also get caught up in seeking signs. And even Jesus warns about this in um, Matthew 12. And he says it's a, it's, a, it's a wicked generation that seeks a sign. I'm going to give you one sign. And that's the sign of Jonah. I'm going to rise from the dead in three days. And it's kind of a it's like, whoa. But once again, that's a gift. There's gifts of signs and wonders that are meant to, to accompany the gospel. They aren't the gospel. Wisdom is not the gospel. Signs and wonders are not the gospel. They accompany it. They're gifts because of the gospel, gifts through the Holy Spirit. Um, and that's where we get a little bit lost. So the connection I guess I'm trying to make is, is that if in trying to spend time routinely with God, daily with God, is using that time as a time of coming back to that simple, simple place of Christ and Him crucified and remembering and acknowledging, I'm a sinner. And you died for that, Jesus. And today I want to live in accordance to that. And, you know, whatever other specific prayers we want to pray. And then, uh, actually, I want to read this one in, in um, Matthew 18, verses 2 through 4. And here's my little, I'm going to throw a little Christmas twist on this. Uh, Matthew 18, 2 through 4. We'll kind of finish with this thought. He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, 
you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So, my prayer for all of us, so myself included in here, is like little children who need the company of our parents, is seek daily that company of, of our Father and just enjoy His presence. Talk to Him, read some scripture, and again, I know not everybody can do things the same time, same place, but there, I think there is some value, and Jesus showed us this in His lifestyle. There's some value of doing that first thing in the morning, if you can. Um, you don't want to press, you know, like a religious standard, like, because then it gets us back right back where we started, where this is something that we're hungry for and we desire it, is spending that time with God. And so, um, you know, I thought, of, just sitting in the car this morning, actually, and Lockwood pulled up, and with, with all his, I don't know if he's still here, but, um, and he pulled up with his truck, and he backed it in, this is the little dirt lot behind Zuma Tower 1, and he opens up the tailgate, and all his kids crawled into the back, and they had blankets, and while well, we hung out and talked for a while, and, um, Anyway, I just wrote this down to see, you know, reminded me of my kids when they were that age and just, you know, just snuggling with blankets and all that. And I just thought, you know, Christmas is such a kid time. And so here we are in this Christmas season, is this, especially those of us who have kids around, and we see them plenty of them around here if you don't have your own, is let, let what you see them doing kind of like bring you back into that childlikeness. Because, you know, Christmas in one sense, it's kind of like for the kids so much. And allow, allow ourselves to become childlike in the simplicity that we seek God and we're thankful for things like wisdom, we're thankful for things like miracles, but we're most thankful for Christ and Him crucified and, um, and just center our thoughts and our time and our efforts on that. And then pursue those other things, but make that number one. So let me pray for us all and then the worship guys are going to come back up. All right. So, Lord God, I thank you for the simplicity of the gospel. And, Lord, I know you made it that way for, for the reason of just showing that anything that we try to do on our own is, like your word says, just folly. It's foolishness. As if we could somehow argue or reason our way into your kingdom. But I thank you, God, that you invite us in to something as simple as a little baby being born in a manger living a perfect life and then sacrificing himself for us and then rising from the dead three days later. Lord, help us to cling to that with everything we have to remind ourselves daily of that. Lord, and, and not, not to see um, times alone with you as being some sort of religious activity that somehow uh, appeases you but instead uh, that we have the, the access and the avail your availability to just spend with, with you, our God, Father, creator of all things. Thank you. Thank you for these guys leading us in worship and help us to continue to be in your presence here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing to the Lord. It's awesome.